I wonder if any of you uh, remember what it was like. Maybe you've had, I won't do a show of hands, but uh, have had a brand new car. Anyone here, you know, you've had a, a brand new car? Or maybe it wasn't brand new, but it was new to you. Do you remember what it was like when you picked it up and you were driving it for the first time and you're like, man, this, this just smells good. It's a, it's a brand new car. And you took such good care of it, didn't you? I mean, you looked after it and you probably were like cleaning it every week. And even when you weren't washing it, you were still out there kind of with a, uh, a cloth of some sort, just kind of brushing it down. And you never left stuff in it. I mean, this car is going to stay clean inside and out. I've had a new resolution. We're not going to leave any junk in this old car. In fact, even when you park in parking lots, you're aware of who you're parking next to. Because you're like, the state of that car, I park next to that car, there's a chance they're going to like just swing their door open. I'm not parking next to that car because they don't look after their car like I look after my car. Look at it, it's pristine. But the truth, <laughs> that's a good word, wasn't it? Uh, the truth is that over time, kind of the newness wears off just a little bit, doesn't it? Before you know it, you skip a week and it gets a little bit dirty. You think, oh, I'll, I'll wash it in a couple of weeks. And then uh, that, that plan you had of always cleaning it out, you know, that starts to drop a little bit. Before you know it, there's some fast food wrappers uh, on the floor in the passenger side. Maybe some old mail back on the back seat. Some clothes that you, we, we were going to take into the house, but you forgot. And they're now three weeks they've been in there. There's a tooth brush and a toothpaste in the glove box. You're not really sure why it's there, but it seems like a, a good idea to keep it there just in case. Um, I can remember Casey and I, we bought a, 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 a new minivan a while back, and we were so excited. We kept so clean, and after just one week, someone got in with a large soda for a McDonald's or something, and they're like, this is awesome. This is great. And they dropped it, and it just splashed. I just like opened the whole drink. And I was like, it was so new, we were going to keep it so clean, but, but that newness, it kind of wears off. How about this? How many of you, uh, again, I won't ask for a show of hands, but maybe you've had kids here this morning. Maybe you're a family, maybe you're parents, grandparents, and, and you can remember a little bit like Josiah and Ashley when that baby was brand new. It was like your brand new baby, and you just couldn't believe that God had blessed you with this wonderful new life. It was so excited when you discovered you were pregnant, you announced it, and, and people would see you, strangers would see you in the store and say, oh, when are you doing? Is it your first? Yes. Oh, how precious. Your life's never going to be the same again. It's going to be wonderful. This will be the best experience ever. It's going to be amazing. And you read all the books, didn't you? You really kind of, you went to town, you went to classes, you followed all the great parenting advice, and then that beautiful baby was born. And you had so many goals and plans. You had a sleep schedule, and it was this special sleep schedule that your baby was going to be on. You enrolled uh, this child as it started to grow into every class possible, because it's never too early for a child to learn French. So at 18 months, even though they weren't really speaking English yet, you're like, hey, good time to learn a new language. We're going to uh, enroll him in that class, as well as that music class and karate, because we want to make sure that they're you know, really well-rounded. Um, you, you bought a blender to make all your own baby food because this baby wasn't going to eat store food, okay? This was going to eat natural vegetables that have been blended in a blender. You took so many pictures, hours and hours of video. You've got pictures and videos of their first tooth. You've got their first steps. You've got, even got a picture of that first dirty diaper. It's like, look at it. Look at what my son did. That's my son's poop. And it's a great picture. And it's like the screensaver on your phone. Um, 
You had all these amazing plans. My child is not going to watch TV. I'm not going to let that junk into their minds. They're going to be a learner. In fact, even their toys are educational toys. We don't buy just toys for the sake of it. These toys are going to help sharpen their minds. They're going to grow. My child one day will grow up and go to Harvard. Any parents like that? You remember what it was like when you had that first baby and all those And then how about if that's you here this morning and and maybe you had a second child, then maybe a third child. Do you remember what that was like? When you had that third child, you got pregnant and uh, uh, the novelty kind of worn off a little bit. Now you're pregnant with this third child and you're walking around and people bump into you and they say, oh, is this your first? No, it's my third. And they're like, oh, oh. (laughs) Was that planned? Was that uh, (laughs) that an accident? Sorry about that. And... uh, you have this baby, and you're like, you know what? You can just sleep whenever you want. If you're going to give me some peace and quiet, I will let you sleep. I've got these preschoolers to deal with. So, uh, in fact, you've discovered that if you zip tie an iPad inside their crib, they can actually watch cartoons for an extra hour before they get fussy. So you're like, hey, watch cartoons. You can, you can watch these cartoons if you just give me some more peace and quiet. Educational toys. This child plays with Happy Meal toys that your other kids are no longer playing with. It's like, give him the Angry Birds. He can play with the Angry Birds. This child is going to grow up one day, and they're going to be looking through photo albums, and they're going to say, Mom, Dad, why, why have we got so many pictures of my oldest brother, and I can't really find as many of me? <laughs> oh, well, you know, we, we, just look at the pictures of your brother. They're great. <laughs> Your hope is that this child will grow up and hopefully make it through kindergarten. If he does that, you're going to be happy. See, here's the thing. Unlike that new car, I don't think it's that you don't care about your kids anymore, okay? It's not that, like, that first kid was great, but the novelty kind of wore off by the third. That's not true at all. We love our children. If you're a parent here this morning, I know that you love every one of your children, don't you, moms and dads? They're, They're watching Nod your heads, yeah, okay. You love every one of your children the same. But I wonder if you can remember what it was like when you had that first child and you had these grandiose goals and and plans and then life just kind of got in the way, didn't it? You just kind of got used to being a parent and as maybe child number two or child number three or as those children started to grow older, those plans and those great goals you had, they kind of maybe faded a little bit. And then you come along on a morning like this And get to see this wonderful family and aunts and uncles and parents and grandparents gathered around beautiful Opal here. And you look up and maybe you as a parent or a grandparent or an uncle or an aunt, you're kind of thinking, oh man, that reminds me of some of the the great plans and goals and dreams that I had for my child. That reminds me of a time where I'd really made that a priority in my life. And the reality is maybe I've kind of slipped away a little bit from that priority. And maybe I should push that priority back up again. You know, if you're a parent here this morning, or a grandparent, or an uncle, or an aunt, every one of us has a great opportunity to make the difference in the life of a child. We can impact kids in our life. And I want to talk a little bit about that this morning on this baby dedication morning. You see, even if you've not had kids here yet this morning... I think this will be great insight, great um, ideas of what it'll be like when you one day become a parent of your own, or maybe you one day become a coach or an uncle or an aunt, and you have some influence in the life of a child. Because you see, the Bible has a lot to say about this particular subject. 
Very early on in the Bible, um, a guy by the name of Moses starts to talk about uh, the, the potential in the lives of children and the responsibility that we have as adults with these young lives. He's actually addressing the Israelite people in, in one of the very earliest books of the Bible, a book by the name of Deuteronomy. He's just gone through a section that you probably are all familiar with where he's, he's given the, the Israelites the Ten Commandments. They've left this land of slavery in Egypt and they're headed to this promised land where they're going to become a nation of their own. They've got great promises and great potential ahead of them. And, and in the time it takes to get from Egypt and slavery and the, to the promised land and freedom, God uses this time in the desert to prepare the Israelites for the life he wants them to live. One of the ways he prepares them is, is with the Ten Commandments, these, these guides, these, these ideas of what it should look like to live as a follower of God. And immediately after giving them the Ten Commandments, these powerful um, uh, guides, these powerful instructions to live by, immediately after that, Moses gives some more advice that we're going to look at this morning. He says in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 8, Listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone, and you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength. You must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. He's talking here about the Ten Commandments. He says, repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road, when you're going to bed and when you're getting up. Tie them on your hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. You see, Moses is talking here to a, a nation of people, a large gathering of people. He said, not only do you have the responsibility of living uh, and striving to follow these commandments that, I've, that God's given us, but it's also your responsibility to make sure that that, that information is passed along. You are now responsible for passing this on to the next generation, who will then pass it on to the next generation, who will then pass that information on to the next generation. This was a culture where they didn't have TV and the internet and, and newspapers and books. So um, a lot of the information, a lot of the, the teaching they would get would be passed on from generation to generation. And Moses said, listen, there are an important group of people in our midst. They're the children. They're the next generation. And every adult here, whether you're a parent or an uncle or an aunt or a grandparent, you have a responsibility to pass on these commands to that next generation. And I feel like Moses' words are just as important to us today as they were thousands of years ago to the people of Israel. So I want to look at this passage real briefly this morning and see what we can learn here in the 20th century, the 21st century. What can we learn this morning from what Moses was saying to the Israelites? Well, I think the first thing he was saying when he was giving advice here on what they should do, uh, before he even talks about how they should pass it on or what they should pass along, he says, listen, you need to put God first in your life. This was the first step to passing on that legacy, the first step to passing on the legacy from one generation to the next. Moses says it's important that you put God first in your life. If Moses were here this morning, if, if God were here speaking to us through Moses this morning, he would say as parents, as grandparents, as, as adults here this morning, the best thing you could do for the child in your life is to put God first in your life. 
You see, I think we worry a lot about, well, um, I want to make sure I'm doing things right, and I want to make sure that, you know, because, because I know that I will influence my child. Many of us may look at our upbringings, and we may have had fantastic upbringings, or we may have had challenging upbringings. But either way, we probably look at some things with our parents and think, well, I want to maybe uh, be different. I want to do some things differently. And, and we feel this responsibility as parents to, to raise our kids. And there's a lot of fear that can be wrapped around in that. What if they grow up to be just like me? That might be scary. Check out this video clip. What's the matter? I lost my retainer. Where? Shh, honey. I, it's okay. I put my Here, let me. Where are the kids? You folks are driving them home. They'll wait with them at our hands. Well, that's just what Kevin needs. Time alone with my dad. Yuck. Let's just go. Gil, they're $200. If you drop $200 in here, you'd look, right? Yeah. Let's face it, he's getting worse. He has his good days and he has his bad days. Why is he so high strung? He's like a like a poodle. Everything's blown out of proportion. What does he get this obsessive behavior? I wish I knew. They're gonna put him in special ed. Gil, what'd you think? That you'd Dress up like a, a cowboy and coach Little League and Kevin would be fine? No. I mean, no, I didn't. Yeah. Yeah, okay, I did. Well, honey, you were really kidding yourself. <sighs> you know, when your kid is born, still be perfect. You haven't made any mistakes yet. And then they, they grow up to be like, like me. The movie Parenthood there, and uh, Steve Mayan plays a dad and has, has issues. They run into some situations with their, their son, Kevin, and he kind of is a little bit uh, transparent there. He says, I'm worried he's going to grow up to be like me. That's like a fear of his. But I want to uh, challenge that thought this morning because maybe you're here this morning and you're thinking, well, what if my kid grows up to inherit my flaws, my idiosyncrasies, my bad habits? While that's a legitimate concern, I would say, well, instead of worrying about that, why not use the positive argument of the same element, the positive idea of that argument? What if my kid does grow up to inherit my positive traits? Maybe that should be my incentive to, to strive to be the best person I can be because one day this, this boy, this girl will grow up to be a lot like me. If you'll make a commitment to put God first in your life, it will change the way that you live and behave. You'll find that you start to care about and, and become more kind towards others. 
You'll forgive those that have wronged you and have chosen to, and you'll make a choice not to live a life of bitterness. By striving to be a follower of Jesus, you'll find that you, you start to live a life where you want to give to those that are in need, where you want to choose to serve instead of be served. You know, I hope and pray that my kids grow up to learn about and understand who Jesus is because they see him reflected in my life. Not because I'm a pastor, that's my job, but because first and foremost, I'm a follower of Jesus, as are many of you here this morning. And I feel like that should be our incentive to say, God, I want to get as close to you as possible because I believe that by doing that, my life uh, will influence the life of the child in my life. It could be my own child. It could be my grandchild, my nephew, my niece. But whoever it is, I want to influence that life by putting God first. This was the challenge that Moses gave to the people of Israel. And it's the same for us. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength. That was the very first thing he said. Because Moses knew that if we put God first, it'll make a huge difference in the lives of our kids. You know, the second thing that Moses challenged the people with wasn't just to put God first, but then to pass it along. Moses said that the idea is to put God first in your life, but then it's your responsibility to pass that faith along. He said, didn't he, in verse 6 and, verse six and 7, and you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road, when you're going to bed and when you're getting up. You know, right now, if, if you're here this morning, if you're a parent and you have a child um, who's in grade school or preschool, then right now, they are outside. They're either in the library, in the cafeteria area here, in one of these classrooms over here, and they're having a fantastic time. They're getting to learn about Jesus and about how much he loves them and the difference that he's made in their lives. We've got some of the best volunteers in the world, I think, here at Connect Kids. And they are telling your kids this morning, showing them the love of Jesus, impacting their lives, telling them that God loves them and that he has a plan for their lives. I love being friends with some of you on Facebook and seeing you post pictures or videos of your kids talking about what they've learned. Every now and again, I'll see a little video of a, a preschooler singing a song or, or reciting a memory verse that they learned right here at Connect Kids. I just think that's awesome. But the truth is, isn't it, that um, however fantastic that is, we get them for about one hour every week. We get to spend about an hour every week with those precious children. And then outside of that, they get to be with you for the rest of the week. You are the greatest influence in their lives. I came across uh, an article as I was preparing for this message. It was written by a guy by the name of Peter Bregerman. He wrote in the Harvard Business Review, and he was talking about behavior. And it was fascinating, this article he wrote, but he, he shared this illustration. He talked about a visit that he made one time to Disney. He went down to Orlando, to Disney, and he actually went to the Animal Kingdom in Orlando. And one of the rides that he rode was this old rustic train, and it kind of goes through all these areas where you get to see the live animals all around. And one of the areas it goes through is the, um, the plains of Harambe, Africa. You get to see all these African animals from the, the train as you're looking out. He says, as they rounded this corner, there was this, this huge rock above them. 
and sat on top of the rock was this majestic lion. And all the people were kind of leaning out and taking pictures. And, and he turned to the ranger on the train. He goes, wow, aren't we lucky that we came around the corner and the lion was sat on top of that rock? He said, the ranger just kind of smiled at him and said, hey, here at Disney, we don't believe in luck. Now, some of you are thinking, I know, Dave, it's because we believe in magic. Well, no, it wasn't even magic. It wasn't luck nor magic. This guy goes on to explain that having a conversation with this ranger, he discovered that most days you go by, you're going to see a lion sat on that rock. Most of the time when you ride that ride, there will be one of the lions sat on that rock because it was no ordinary rock. In only the way Disney can do something, Disney had put together a temperature-controlled rock. This large rock that these lions would sit upon was temperature-controlled. So on the hotter days, they would cool the rock. And on the cooler days, they would warm the rock. So the lions are like, that's where I want to be, <laughs> on that rock, because it warms me up on the chilly days. And when I'm real hot, it cools me down. So Disney have stacked the deck. They've set it up so that every time that train goes by, there is a very high probability that there is going to be a lion enjoying that rock. You know, we could bring our kids to, to Connect Church every Sunday morning, and we could put them in the, the preschool, or the Connect Kids area, and we could just kind of hope that that'll be enough. Let's hope that's enough to help them learn who God is and how much he loves them. Or we could stack the deck. We could say, no, we're not just going to hope. We're going to make some decisions of our own. Moses gives us the idea of what that looks like. He says, repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road, when you're going to bed and when you're getting up. He's saying to these people, hey, listen, this isn't just the responsibility of the religious leaders here amongst us in Israel. This is everyone's responsibility. And he's not just talking to the parents, he's talking to everyone there. It's all of your responsibility to help these children to grow up and to learn who they are and how special they are and how much God loves them. Coaches, grandparents, uncles, aunts, parents, we all have this responsibility outside of church. This is part of our everyday lives, our everyday discussion. At home, on the road, as you're going about your daily life, as we go to bed and we wake up. So I meet a lot of parents here at Connect, and, and they find this a little bit intimidating. They're like, Dave, I, I understand that, and I think that's a good idea, but, but, you know, you guys at Connect Kids, you're so good at that. You know so much about the Bible. I, I kind of sit down, and I get this big old children's Bible, and I open it up, and I'm like, so kids, what, what about this guy? You know, because I feel like I don't know enough to be able to share with them. And it can be hard, because sometimes our kids, they want so much. I talked to a couple recently, and they said they just started praying with their kids at mealtimes. They didn't really do this before, and they've started this new practice in their home of praying. And now their kids have, like, taken off. Like, they cannot sit down for a meal. Breakfast, lunch, afternoon snack. They just, there has to be a prayer. If mom or dad start getting into the food, it's like, whoa, what are you doing? We haven't prayed yet. Because these kids are, are hungry to learn this. And, and I think this morning, if we're parents, it's like, wow, there's some, um, some pressure here that I have to, to, to pour into the life of my child. But I don't know if I know enough. I don't know if I'm equipped enough. Well, to ease some of that pressure, we want to help you as best we can here at Connect Kids. 
In preschool, we give out these wonderful placemats every month, and they've got memory verses and activities, so your preschoolers, they're eating, can kind of uh, be, be re, re reminded of what they were learning at Connect Kids. If you're in the K through 5 class, if your kids are in that class, we send you guys home with God times. Uh, that's an activity that you as a family can do together. We've actually got a great resource that's available for you this summer. Um, you can contact Alicia, who is uh, over the K through 5 area and Connect Kids. And she's got this journal called Where in the World. It's a nine-week journal. So if you have a child who's kindergarten through fifth grade, this is a great journal that they can do over the summer break. Um, you can purchase them from her, so check with her or email her, and she can tell you more about that. But here's the thing. As I was studying for this message and I was preparing for this, I actually think what Moses was saying was a lot simpler than all this. I don't think Moses was saying it's important that you sit down every day with your kids and you read the Bible together and you pray with them. Those are great things, but I don't think that's exactly what Moses was saying. Here's what I think Moses was saying this morning to the moms and dads the grandparents, the uncles, the aunts, those of you this morning who are in a place where you can impact the life of a child, he was simply saying this, we need to erase the line. It's that simple, erase the line. The line that can divide in our lives. Here's what I mean by that. It's that line that divides and says, well, on a Sunday morning at 9.30, that's my, that's my church time. That's when I'm at church. But, but when I'm in the rest of my life, that's, that's different. I think of it sometimes as like a, um, a pie cut into slices. And each slice represents something in our life. There's our, our work schedule, our business. There's, there's the weekends. There might be sports that our uh, family's involved in. There could be vacations. And, and for some of us, church and our faith in God, it, it's simply a slice of the pie. It's something that takes place for an hour or two on a Sunday morning, and we go there, and that's, that's us in that particular moment. I think what Moses is saying, when he says, when you wake up, when you go to bed, when you live your lives, he's just saying, hey, don't just make this a slice of the pie. Make this part of every slice of the pie. Your faith, your commitment, your love for God, it should be the pie. It should play out in the way you work. It should play out in your weekends when you're with your family. It should play out on a Sunday morning at church, but it should play out on a Monday evening as well. Erase the line. That's what Moses is saying. It's not that he's saying, hey, you've got to be the pastor, you've got to preach, you've got to teach, you've got to pray. You've got to... No, he's just saying, listen, make this real. Make your faith, make your love for God something more than just something that happens on a Sunday morning, but something that takes place throughout your whole life. I think that the challenge that Moses gave to the people of Israel is just as challenging to us today. That when it comes to influencing the life of a child, we are the ones who will influence them the most. That is why it's so important that we've got to not just learn to, to pass that along, but to make that decision to put God first in our lives. Every one of us who's an adult here this morning, every uh, family member, every these brand new parents here, putting God first in our lives is the greatest thing we can give to our children. And then making that decision to pass that along by, by living that faith out every single day. So as we kind of conclude here this morning, maybe some of you are going to leave here feeling terrified. What if I mess up? 
What if I can't do that? What if I, what if I don't do the best I can and it messes my kids up? That movie, Parenthood, there's a, there's a funny scene where uh, Kevin, the son who Steve Martin is really trying to be the best dad in the world to, he plays baseball and Steve Martin is the coach of the team. And Kevin's just not very good at baseball, but he's on the team and his dad's the coach. And uh, the second uh, baseman, does that sound right? He's a guy who catches on. Yep, yep, I'll get some nods from some sports people. Okay, so the second baseman, he's out of action, okay? He's, uh, he's sick that day, so they need a new second baseman. So Steve Martin says, anyone want to do it? No one volunteers. And he goes, Kevin, how about you do it? You can see the rest of his team go, oh. Kevin's like, I don't want to do it. He's like, come on, you'd be awesome. And he goes, all right, I'll do it. He kind of puts his hand on his shoulder and he says, listen, you just play your best out there. Whether we win or lose, it's just important that you have a good time out there. And he goes, thanks, Dad, I will. And as he walks out to second base, Steve Martin kind of goes into this dream sequence and he imagines the future 20 years from then. And Kevin is graduating from college. He's valedictorian. He's given this acceptance speech, this commencement speech saying, I wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for my dad. I remember he put me on second base when I was in Little League, and it changed my life forever. I am who I am today because of my dad. And Steve Martin's imagining how this will all play out. Well, then the game starts, and it gets to the end of the game, and uh, they're winning by one run, but the other team, they've got one more hit. The bases are loaded. The guy hits the ball, and it goes straight towards Kevin. All he has to do is catch the ball. The other team are out. The game is won. Kevin drops the ball. <laughs> all the team are like, oh, they're all mad. Kevin cries and runs off. And, and Steve Martin goes back to this dream sequence. And now it's the same college. But there's a guy on the roof of the college with a gun. <laughs> and he's just shooting. And there are cars blowing up. And they're like, who is it up there? And the dean says, it's that Kevin kid. Ever since second grade, his dad messed him up. He's never been the same again. He made him play second base. And his whole life was ruined. And maybe you're a parent thinking, man, if I just make the one wrong decision, it's the difference between valedictorian and psychopath. That's how much pressure is on me. So let me send you away with something to maybe take away some of that pressure this morning. We live, if we're followers of Jesus this morning, we live in the tension. There's the tension of what we can do and the tension of what God can do. And I think it's kind of living in both of those, saying, God, I want to do everything I can do, but I also want to believe that you are here to do everything that you can do. So here's what we can do. We can set goals. You know, when I got to pray with Josiah and Ashley and Opal this morning, they've gone through some, some preparation for this morning's baby dedication. One of the videos they watch, it's, um, it's called Beginning with the End in Mind. So they sit as a family together and they start to set some goals at three months old of who they want Opal to be when she grows up. So we prayed for some of those desires that she would grow to be compassionate and happy. And these were goals that they set as a family. We can set goals in our lives. Maybe... Um, you're like me. I, I need to set goals in my life. So I uh, uh, personally, I set some goals when it comes to fitness, okay? Uh, I try and do some different things because uh, believe it or not, these, these chiseled abs, they don't just happen by themselves. <laughs> Stop laughing. Um, I have to... I have to work hard, and, I, and there are some wonderful people here who just love to get out and run and ride and do whatever. I, I don't love that. I don't like it much at all. So I'll set myself goals. About three years ago, a friend of mine, Chris, who's here at Connect, he challenged me to help him or to run with him on a half marathon. So that was my goal. So for months, I was running and running and running because I had to get ready to run 13 miles. That goal helped me stay in shape and stay fit. 
The following year, I did a triathlon. And, and some of you know that this year, in fact, next month, I'm doing this bike ride. In fact, I think I've got a picture of it. I can throw it up here. Now, please don't get me wrong. I really am doing this because I want to raise money to, to help build this church for uh, children in Ecuador. Uh, we're partnering with Compassion, and all the money we raise will help to build that church. That's my number one goal. But also, I'm actually, so, so the ride I'm doing, okay, I'm riding, me and Nate and a couple of other people, we're riding over the space of two days from Washington to Chicago. So that's 90 miles on the first day and 65 miles on the second day. I'm not going to be able to do that if I don't start riding my bike a little bit more than I have done now. So, so me and Nate, we're riding a lot, and we're trying to get ready. And uh, So my secondary goal is that's getting me out on my bike. That's getting me doing some work. So, so for me, I always have to have a goal ahead of me, and that's what kind of gets me. So, so as parents here this morning, maybe it's been a while, mom and dad, or if you're grandparents here this morning, maybe you've got grandchildren in your life. When was the last time you sat together and had a conversation and said, you know, what is our goal here? What's, what do we want our kids to become? What are we doing to help accomplish that goal? Maybe that'll be a conversation that you can have this week. Maybe you're, you're raising a child alone. Maybe you're a single parent. It's just kind of praying this week saying, God, help me to have some goals in mind because then I can get kind of um, intentional in spending time with my kids or doing what it needs to do because I'm actually working towards that goal. To put some goals in place and to work towards those. Maybe it's spending less time here and more time here. Maybe it's doing less of this and doing more of this. Maybe it's getting that journal and, and sitting down with the child in your life and, and going through that journal this summer. Whatever those goals are, they may help you as a, as a parent. But the second idea is, is not just to set the goals, it's to trust God. Set goals and trust God. In Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. I don't think the Bible contradicts itself. I think it just creates these, these, these moments of tension where Moses uh, talks to the people and says, hey, listen, you need to lean on your own understanding. You need to do all that you can to pass on uh, your legacy to the next generation. You need to be the best parents, grandparents. You need to, to, to raise up these kids in the way of God. This is, this is on you. And yet in the same book, in the same Bible, Solomon, when he's writing Proverbs, says, but you need to trust in the Lord and not lean on your own understanding. Both of these hold each other in tension. You can't trust God for everything, but at the same time, you can't work for everything. So I'm going to try and set goals and be the best parent or grandparent or uncle or aunt I can be, but I'm also going to trust God. Put my trust in him. Say, God, I can't do this without you. I need you to help me be the best parent I can be. Let's pray this morning together. Lord, it blows me away sometimes when I read a passage like that in Deuteronomy from thousands of years ago, how applicable it can still be in our lives today. I don't think if I was to walk around this room this morning, I would find anyone who would say, yeah, I don't really care too much about what my kid becomes. I don't really care about what they learn or what they don't learn. I think every parent here this morning would say, it, it means a lot to me. I care a lot about my child and, and how they grow up and what they learn. And Father, you've made it pretty clear that when it comes to the spiritual legacy, 
that that can't just be done for an hour on a Sunday morning. There's a big responsibility that we have to live that life day in, day out. We will be the greatest influence on the kids in our life. So help us, Father, to to pursue you, to be the uh, best follower of Jesus we can be. Because in doing so, that'll trickle down and impact the lives of our child. We don't have to be scared that they'll pick up on our weird idiosyncrasies. We have to be encouraged, Lord, that as we strive to follow you, they too will pick up on the love and the grace and the mercy that we're able to reflect from you in our lives. So help us to trust you and help us to do all that we can in Jesus' name.